live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, 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 look who's back in action. Here we go. Here we go, girlfriend. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is a big Tuesday episode of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who did not interfere in the 2020 election by limiting your speech rights. No, a new report from the House GOP says the Department of Homeland Security formed its own censorship board at the collegiate level just so they could report to the government on posts they didn't like and have big tech take them down. That's not right. It's not right, but it is complex, and it is very much uh, a trampling of your rights uh, leading up to the last election, and we will discuss and fold it into just how it impacts this next election, including the ones going on today at a local level. It is, in fact, election day. We will discuss local races. We will discuss, of course, the big 2024 general election is there's a lot of water cooler talk about getting Biden off the ticket. Biden's lost his marbles. Who knows where that's headed, but Dana Perino, Bella the Ball, co-host of America's Newsroom, the five, host of the Perino on Politics podcast. She will be joining us on the show today, as well as battling Brian Brenberg, who weighs in on Bidenomics, which have pretty much ushered in the golden age of people selling pictures of their feet on the internet. What the hell did you just say? Every day I open up the internet now to prep this show, and it's like one story after another, like, oh, this mom was laid off, now she's, you know, selling pictures on OnlyFans. Hubba, hubba. But the point is, everybody's doing things for money, except for the conventional things. Why? Because the economy is tanking. He knows what he's talking about. We'll discuss it with the host of The Bottom Line, who joins us in the third hour. 888-788-9910 if you want to be a part of the shindig. Also, the phone number if you don't want to be a part of the shindig. You know the rules. I say them every day to the point of exhaustion. Please, and I do mean this, not just for the show, but for life in general, be a Republican. Great. Hooray. You lean to the right. Be a Democrat. Wonderful. Climate change. All that good stuff. Believe in whatever the hell you want. It's America. I'm not going to tell you what the... Th- Thank you. Okay, the only thing we ever ask, man, just don't be a... There it is. It's all you got to do. You want to help the country right now. You don't need to get out there and, and campaign and scream and yell and try to convince people you're right. Here's a newsflash. Everyone is so set in their ways that the only way we're going to make progress as a society is not having this epic clash of, you know, political positions where people just throw their hands up and go, you got me. No, the only way we're ever going to make progress is if we just start by downshifting. Okay, the world is on fire. That's why I say every day we're trying to roast radio marshmallows and take the edge off. Because if you look around politics, everybody's... I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! It's a drag, man. It is a drag. That's why I'm so excited to get back out on the road. Go tell some jokes. Here's one. Uh, We're in Utica Saturday night uh, at the Stanley Theater. If you're listening on WIBX, you can see Kennedy and I this Saturday. But the bigger event I need to promote... Okay, is we just got the word that tickets are on sale for the Fox News Patriot Awards next Thursday, November the 16th, down in Nashville. (laughs) Yo, if you've never been, Nashville is a wild town. 
Okay, like for real, for real. Like everyone is everyone is hammered. Uh, and of course, if you're coming to the Patriot Awards, bigger than the opportunity to get drunk and sing bad karaoke at a Nashville bar, is the opportunity to pay homage to the people who put on the uniform every day and sacrifice so much for your freedoms. The thing you'll love about the Patriot Awards, if you do get a chance to go, is it's not a political event. It's not like Fox News getting out there going, these are the best Republicans in the world. It's Fox News getting out there and saluting people who didn't declare a political agenda at the beginning of the day. They simply put on a uniform, whether it was a police uniform, a fire department uniform, some type of EMS, first responder uniform, okay, or having a, a military uniform, and got out there. Okay, and risk their lives on behalf of you. Those people get highlighted. It is the Oscars for camouflage, and it should be required viewing around the country because it would give people perspective, you know, in terms of just how much we take for granted every day. So that's the first hook of the Patriot Awards is that it is like a really spiritually uplifting thing because you see how many good hearted people are out there, not bogged down by the politics, not asking whether you were a Republican or a Democrat before they pull you out of a burning car, you know, or run into a building or whatever the heck they do, you know, to save a life. And that's the part that I think is uplifting. On a superficial level, if you just like Fox News a lot and you want to meet Fox News people, we're all going to be there. It's a cable news petting zoo. We're all basically staying in the same hotel uh, down at the Opryland Convention Center. And, of course, the big event, the show itself, will be at the Grand Old Opry. I will be walking onto stage and opening it, telling some jokes, and then handing it off to Pete Hegseth for that night's live stream on Fox Nation. It's a really cool thing to see. And the other thing I would tack on is you'll never feel better about your own drinking problem than you will after hanging out with a bunch of TV people. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Oh, these folks are made of booze. <laughs> it's something else. Uh, when they get on the road, man, after all the hard news we cover, I mean, it's so grim right now in the world. When we get a chance to unplug at the bar, get out of the way. <laughs> So that is Thursday night, November the 16th. Uh, we are down at the Grand Old Opry for the Patriot Awards. We'd love to see you there. Tickets are available right now. Go check that out. And if you want to double it up, you can see me Friday and Saturday. I'll be down in Naples, Florida at the Off the Hook Comedy Club. Friday night and Saturday night, Ryan Reese is on the bill opening the show. Some of you will recognize Ryan as the guy who did the warm-up for my Fox stand-up special. Uh, Ryan was the comic that went on before me, and you will, of course, see that special in its entirety the first week of January. So buckle up. As it pertains to today and my actual job, which is radio host, we should probably get going on that. So, you know, talking about comedy dates and jokes and stuff like that, uh, this report out of the House GOP, not a joke. This is a very serious thing. And, you know, the long and short of it is election interference. So let me explain this to you. Okay, according to a new report, and I will read you this. Okay. According to a new report from the House Judiciary Committee, it was obtained by the New York Post, Department of Homeland Security partnered with Stanford University and other colleges to create a disinformation group to censor speech leading up to the 2020 election. So what they did is the DHS, they formed a disinformation group at colleges simply so they could then send reports back to them at DHS. Hey, this college disinformation group just gave us a heads up on this post, and the DHS would act surprised. They'd be like, really? Oh, we better look into that. We better get to the bottom of what's going on. What a fraud. But that's not even the half of it. From there, they would then take their government report, pass it along to big tech to give all three 
entities some type of plausible deniability as if this was like an organic thing. But that's not what it was. What it was was election interference, because according to the reports, okay, these committees went out of their way to censor and restrict access to some of the most prominent Republican accounts out there. Big names like Trump or Hannity, Molly Hemingway, who comes on this show a lot, Charlie Kirk, who has his own radio show. Uh, and is out there trying to lead a revolution with a curfew. He's a young guy, uh, but he does fine for himself. But the point is, uh, by the standards of Twitter, they were threatened by him and his ideas and his influence and his reach. So they went out and they restricted the reach of his account. That's just how white folks will do you. House Judiciary Committee found emails that showed months-long discussions, okay, with social media companies, including Facebook and Twitter, over a proposed misinformation portal. And what did misinformation ultimately constitute in the run-up to the 2020 election? Anything they disagreed with. Correct the mundo. It wasn't a matter of is this true or not. It was a matter of does this help us or not. And just like the Hunter Biden laptop story, where every single media outlet killed the story and said it was Russian disinformation. We can't talk about it, you see. (laughs) What did we find out the minute the election was over? that the Hunter Biden laptop was oh so real. So understand what they're doing here, and it's going on right now. We'll get into the manifesto, the tranifesto of that deranged nut down in Nashville uh, who killed all the kids down in Tennessee, the transgender shooter. They wouldn't release that information to the public because it conflicted with the agenda they were trying to sell you the one where trans people were under attack, everybody was out to get them. Obviously, a trans person walking into an elementary school and shooting everybody in sight kind of takes a little bit of the momentum, a little bit of the, uh, you know, tolerance and inclusion narrative away from that community at a time when they try to advance this fraudulent agenda that they're all under attack. What are we told again and again and again? Well, people like the Nashville shooter are are lashing out because of trans genocide. But nobody's saying, go kill all the trans people and wipe them off the face of the earth. The only thing anyone is saying is that they want biological men competing against biological men, biological women competing against biological women, and kids who are not of the age of consent to have a chance to fully grow into their developed bodies before they decide to look for the nearest exit from said body. That is the official conservative position on trans people. Nobody says they don't have a right to exist, and nobody says get them. Okay, that's not going on. But on a moment where a shooter goes and sadly, okay, murders people in an elementary school, young kids, okay, they go out of the way to shield that information because it's problematic to their agenda. That's what they were doing in 2020. Hunter Biden's laptop, problematic to their agenda. The fact that they reconfigured the way we voted in states like Pennsylvania in the weeks running up to the election allowed them to juice turnout and get the outcome they wanted in 2020. It was stolen. I don't know that it was stolen per se. Uh, I just do know we voted in a very unprecedented manner. And on top of that, we used big tech censorship, weaponized censorship, as a means of steering the conversation into parts of town that reflected more positively on the Democratic Party. And that's the end result of what you're seeing here. And I bring it up now, not because I want to sit here and dwell endlessly over the 2020 election. uh, Although I got to be honest, looking back on it, 
You, you, not, maybe not the outcome, maybe not all the fighting, uh, but looking back on the state of the world uh, in 2020, man, gas was $2 cheaper. The border was shut. We weren't on the brink of World War III. Those were the days. Biden is such a disaster. He really is. But if they're going to get him over the top a second time, and there's a lot of debate about that, okay, there's going to be another war on information. There's going to be an effort to limit the reach of posts that are potentially damaging to the Democratic Party. It's one of the reasons Elon Musk bought Twitter. Okay, he's not doing a perfect job of running that app by any means, but the fact that he restored the speech rights of both parties was actually a gift to this country, except everybody on the left went crazy, and they were like, this is fascism! Democrats are so full of crap. I'm like, if it's fascism, you wouldn't be allowed to have a voice in the public square. You wouldn't actually be criticizing it. Fascism is allowing everybody their speech rights, okay? That is the complete opposite of fascism, but it's how they use word salads to get their way. It's no different than the current co-opting of the word genocide. I keep playing you this Bill Maher clip, but it's a spot-on clip where he talks about how the people on the left who support the Hamas say they're doing so because they're standing up against a genocide. But the reality is nobody in Israel is trying to commit a genocide against the Muslim community. There are two million Muslims living in Israel, okay? And they're not asking to leave, nor is Israel asking them to leave. And to be clear, if Israel wanted to wipe every man, woman, and child off the map in Gaza, they could do so in a second, okay, from a military standpoint, but that's not their goal. Here is Douglas Murray giving you the absolute truth on how they're manipulating messages. And I play it right now because this is part and parcel to what they're doing on social media. How you frame a conflict, how you frame an issue, directly impacts how people consume it and decide to vote based on their opinion of said issue. So when you get out there and call something a genocide, a lot of low-information people go, well, I clearly don't want to support the genocide. I guess I'll vote for the party that says it's a genocide so I can be on the right side of this thing. But the problem is, if you're looking for truth in this moment, you're not getting it by calling it a genocide. Here is Douglas Murray, clip 15. We have to hit on the head the idea that the Israelis are committing genocide, which is rife out there. It would be the only, only genocide in history in which the population massively expanded during said alleged genocide. The population of Gaza has shot up in the last 18 years since Israel withdrew. You could say that they are extremely unsuccessful genocidists or people who would like to commit genocide but haven't managed to for some reason but none of the analysis of what is actually happening and i and anyone else who has traveled through the region widely can tell you this it is nothing like for instance what bashar al-assad has done to the syrian people over the last 13 years it's nothing like what has been happening in yemen in the last decade it is not anything approaching a genocide that is happening in the west bank or gaza so why do they say it and we know why they say it. They say it because it manipulates the conversation. It makes their side seem like the more empathetic and appealing side, just like they did when they yelled defund the police. But the problem was yelling defund the police might have sounded empathetic in the summer of 2020, but a lot of, got a lot of people killed in the summer of 2021 and the summer of 2022 because it was the dumbest idea in the history of the world. That's true. That is true. But if you were pushing back against that ideology in the summer of 2020, we now know they were limiting the reach of your posts. If you were pushing back against this false narrative that the vaccine stopped people from getting and spreading COVID, you were labeled a science denier and they were, they were diminishing the reach of your posts. Just the same as right now in this moment, there are behind the scenes efforts being made to manipulate public sentiment. This is why you've got to call out stuff like this. Guys, the truth is 
we're all in America entitled to believe whatever the hell we want and we should. Okay, that diversity of thought is what ultimately does lead to the best ideas possible if, in fact, we're having an honest conversation. The reason the DHS limiting speech rights and collaborating behind the scenes with big tech oligarchs is such a losing proposition for all of us, it's because at the end of the day, a decision is made on behalf of our country, but it doesn't always include the best possible information. So, again, you might have won the election in 2020, but you wound up losing again in 2021, 2022, and heaven forbid 2023 because the world is screwed. And I'm out here in the real world, and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. Jimmy Fallon. Nice kid, but a little dumb. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster has Testofen, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total T before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now, get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword jimmy text now you'll get a bottle of nugenics thermo x the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast it is absolutely free your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword jimmy it's 231-231 and you enter the keyword jimmy texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages consent not required to purchase message and data rates may apply It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon all over this microphone. You talk about a, a shutdown corner. We are guarding this thing man to man. Having a grown-up talk about all things America. 888-788-9910 if you'd like to be a part of it. Dana Perino's coming by. Brian Brenberg going to be here as well. Uh, two folks that are far too classy for this venue. Uh, but they will be here. Uh, and we will have a grown-up talk. That is what we do. On the show, day in and day out, uh, we were talking off the top of the show about a censorship effort being made by the Department of Homeland Security, and they're still trying to deny, like, oh, we weren't censoring stuff. We were just recommending stuff that could be censored. Come on, don't bullshit me. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like, no, the government didn't engage in censorship. Big tech engaged in censorship. We just formed a censorship board and funneled them things that should be censored. You are so full of shit. That's what they did, man. That's not cool. I don't care if you're liberal. You don't want that happening. You want this country, okay? And this is where the team sport of politics is screwing us. Okay, the Constitution is not drawn up so Republicans can fight Democrats over who controls the government. The Constitution exists so the government doesn't control us. 
But when the government is out there manipulating your speech rights and limiting the reach of posts that run counter to their narrative, we're all getting screwed by the government. I think he's got a point. There it is, Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. I will be your TV buddy this evening on the Ingram Angle with Laura Ingram in the 7 o'clock hour, getting the band back together. Thursday, you'll see me in the studio with Sean Hannity for a live edition of The Hannity Show. And then I'm out on the road this weekend. Stanley Theater in Utica. Get some tickets. Come hang out with me and Kennedy. The world's on fire. You need a laugh. That's why I keep promoting all my stand-up. Like, I'm really excited to go do some stand-up on the road right now and just hang out with people and take the edge off because it's just grim, man. A lot of grim stories out there. And, you know, the truth is, if you live in this country, okay, and you have perspective, you go, yeah, like, we're doing pretty good here. It's America. We got it good, and that's a reason to be happy. And as much as it sucks to know the world's on fire and the border's overrun and there's all this political infighting, the truth is you have a lot more excuses and reasons and justifications to be happy than you do uh, to be, you know, beaten down. He knows what he's talking about. So I think stand-up is like good perspective because you get an hour to just not care. And I think right now it's good to not care uh, because if you care, there's just a, you know, everything you look at is a mess right now. (laughs) It's every day uh, when we're putting the show together in the morning. I know no one believes me, but we actually sort of prepare this show Before we come on the air every day, we sort of have a plan. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Sort of. We have a plan. Like, we're like, all right, which disastrous front would we like to lead with? Is it the rampant government censorship trampling your constitutional freedoms? Is it the overrun border? Is it World War III? Uh, Today we get a reprieve from those in the first hour, and we get to talk about a transgender mass shooter's manifesto. So congratulations, Uh, Here's a break. But the point is, uh, when this is over, uh, you will have every opportunity to come see some stand-up and have some laughs and yuck it up and not be so immersed in all of this junk. But I always say, Fox Across America, it is our family meeting. And if it's going on in the neighborhood, uh, we're going to talk about it at the dinner table. So I lead us through a lot of this junk. Uh, But if you want to chime in from your seat at the table, 888 788-9910. Nashville authorities right now um, are addressing this purported leak of portions of the Covenant school shooter Audrey Elizabeth Hale's manifesto. And she was the loony, 28-year-old, uh, who went into the Covenant school and shot everybody up and, of course, took pretty copious notes in the run-up to that attack detailing why she was going to do it. Okay, and essentially, in a roundabout way, although I do believe she was white, uh, she had a serious issue with white people. Seems to have been a self-hating white person, if you will, who bought into a lot of the fraud of identity politics where you're taught to condemn people simply for the color of their skin. Okay, it's not about who they are personally. It's not about what their contribution to the community happens to be or whether or not they're even of age, because sadly, three of the people she shot were nine year old kids. Okay, we have reduced life in the algorithm world we live in to a place where empathy is a brand, but it's not a character trait. We are so married to convenience now 
that it's become inconvenient to think. It's become inconvenient for some lunatics to prioritize human life if it contradicts with the worldview they have been sold. And this keeps happening, man. Okay? This person, according to three pages of the diary, okay, had a lot of leftist racial hatred targeting white people as privileged. Kill those kids was one of the ramblings. Those crackers going to private fancy schools with those fancy khakis and sports backpacks with their daddy's Mustangs and convertibles. That's what the person wrote. I wish to shoot you weak ADs with your mop yellow hair. Want to kill all you little crackers. Bunch of little F words with your white privileges. This person's also white, by the way. Okay, she also detailed her schedule for the day of the shooting, uh, which she titled Death Day. She, he, they, it. I don't know what this thing is, but it doesn't deserve my respect. I'm not slighting transgender people. You do whatever you want with your body if you're above the age of 18. And even if you're below it, if that's what your parents want you to do, I don't know what to tell you. But the point is, if you go shoot a bunch of little kids, like I'm done pretending that you are owed any modicum of empathy, consideration, or conversational respect. Okay, you're less than a person. If you're willing to go shoot three nine-year-old kids and three faculty members and scramble all of this kill the white people stuff, uh, again, I understand the whole take the high road thing. But at the same time, one of the reasons the world is as screwed up as it is is because we're creating more empathy for the criminals and the killers than we are for their victims. Okay, we spend a lot more time talking about the killers than we do the victims. We've spent a lot more time in the aftermath of 2020 talking about making life easier for the killers and the rapists and the muggers than we have for the cops that are sworn to protect us against them, or heaven forbid, the victims, okay, who are being innocently terrorized by the rise in crime around the country. But the reason I bring up this manifesto is this is a seven-month-old shooting, And one of the things people will quickly point to is they'd go, wow, you know, if a white guy walked in and shot up a bunch of stuff, you'd have the manifesto in 24 hours. That's actually true, okay, because that narrative of, oh, there's a gun, it's a white guy, we got to get rid of the guns, take away your rights, that fits with the agenda, okay? A trans person who's been radicalized by the left who keeps telling the trans community they're under attack, they're under attack, they're under attack. Here's a newsflash. Nobody hates you because you're trans, okay? For the most part in society, in this day and age, black, white, gay, Asian, straight, Muslim, Latino, whatever you are, okay? We're living in a pretty, pretty integrated time. In fact, the most integrated and inclusive time the world has ever known. And at this point, the only reason anybody really hates anybody is if they talk on speakerphone in public. Okay, if you're one of those people, we all hate you. Nobody wants to be in line at Target listening to your conversation on speakerphone. But as far as your orientation, we don't really care. Okay, we don't. And we're definitely not out there calling for violence. Okay, and that's the part that's so crazy. We're told in this day and age that if you don't want biological men swimming against biological women, that's transgenocide. That's hate speech. That's violence. But the people who say that are on college campuses chanting from the rivers to the sea, Palestine must be free, a chant that means and signifies the total elimination of the Jewish race. So it's like, if you don't want biological men swimming against women, that's hate speech. But, you know, kill the Jews, that's a little complicated. All right, you hear me out here. There's a little more to the situation. No, there's not. That's the point. It's a scam. But they weaponize language and they weaponized information in a way to skewer sentiments in the direction they want them to go. 
again, I made this point earlier, in the post-vaccine world where the vaccine was now available, okay, if you remember in the run-up to developing the vaccine, Biden and Kamala bashed the vaccine. Let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. If and when the vaccine comes, it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. But you understand those people then turned around and mandated the vaccine. That's just how white folks will do you. Mandated it. Who's going to take this thing? It's not likely to go through all the trials. When we finally get it, who's going to take it? Are you going to take it? What's the next thing he did? Made you take it. You understand, it's so transactional, and it's completely unmoored. And a lot of the positions being taken politically now are maybe politically expedient, but bad for the country. A good example would be the border wall. Both political parties voted for a border wall. They did it under George W. Bush. They did it under Barack Obama. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But understand, the minute Trump came down the escalator and was like, build a wall, they were like, that's racist. We should be building bridges and not walls. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You voted for walls, but do you get it? But politics is such a team sport now. Everybody can just conveniently, you know, oh, no, that's, this is what we're doing now. We change positions. Okay, and they just go along with it. And it's one of the reasons we now find ourselves in this scenario where that trans shooter, okay, felt that on some small scale they were entitled to the horrific behavior that they, that they did, that they partook in. Okay, it's because in the reductive language of identity politics – and depression speech, this person as a trans member of the trans community who was pretend under attack was now justified, just the way Hamas is justified in beheading babies because Hamas is under attack. You see, they're being occupied. But here's a newsflash. They're not being occupied. Israel left Gaza in 2005 and went back to the 1967 borders. So is Israel actually occupying Gaza? The answer would be no. No, nor are they committing genocide. Their population has grown by 2 million people. Okay, genocide genuinely has a, generally has a way of lowering the population of a particular group. If they're committing genocide, they're really, really bad at it because the population keeps going up. But do you see where language is used to manipulate the behavior and actions of people? Folks out there in Congress, elected officials, don't want to condemn Hamas. They say what they're doing is justified because they're oppressed. And when you live in a world where people's emotions are their facts and you start whipping them up on an emotion that people out there are literally being killed and attacked and under constant threat, a lot of them do want to mobilize on behalf of a very negative emotion that they feel where they feel like it's their turn to stand up for the marginalized. And that's what this idiot trans lunatic did down in, in Covenant and down in Nashville. OK, this person thought it was avenging a trans genocide that is very much not happening. It's not happening. But we now live in this world where your emotions are your facts. And if your emotions are negative, we've sold people on the idea that you are entitled to anything you need to do in order to turn those emotions positive again, even if it has to happen at the expense of someone else. Okay, and that's the part of the world that's, you know, I want to say it's scary, uh, but it's more frustrating to me than anything. And I know it's scary to say, but we really have created a country full of sociopaths. 
We really have. Okay, everybody's medicated. Sixty percent of the country's on some type of a prescription. Everybody, you know, on the left is being sold that they're under attack and everybody's out to kill them. Okay, if you're taking hormones in your body that don't naturally occur there, and then everybody around you who encouraged you taking those hormones is now telling you that everybody wants to kill you and you're jacked up on all kinds of weird hormones and imbalances. That can't be good. No, and that's why you get something like what we saw down in Covenant. It's disgusting. But it's even more disgusting that we can't acknowledge what it is and we can't move past it as a people because they hid the information in terms of what the shooter's motivations were. They didn't want you to know what the motivations were because that contradicts the narrative they're trying to sell, which is trans people are under attack. When are they going to get a break? And the truth is, if you're trans and you're listening, man, man, nobody supports your right to exist more than me. If you're over 18, do whatever the hell you want. It's America. E pluribus unum. Out of many, one. Who cares? Okay, that's the whole point of America. We're supposed to be free-range chickens. Okay, but we're supposed to be free-range chickens that are in on the joke. If you live in this country, you hit the lottery. You have American privilege. This is the most tolerant and inclusive place on the planet. There's no better place to be you than the place you happen to find yourself standing in right now. If everybody walks around with that perspective, we could all be whatever the hell we want. The problem is we're weaponizing false oppression for political gain, and it's taking a lot of the people who are off-kilter, And in a lot of instances, it's motivating to act out on behalf of whatever they think that grievance is. Okay, and that's where we find ourselves down in Nashville. This shooter is very much a byproduct of the constant drumbeat of leftist rage and outrage and garbage of, you know, everybody wants to kill you. Everybody wants to get you. Okay, and this person eventually acted out on it. And that's horrific. And I'm glad they're dead. Okay, but I really am, you know, let down by the fact that law enforcement went to the extent that it did to keep this manifesto private, if only because it keeps us as a nation of acknowledging what the truth of this shooting was and figuring out a way to deal with it, you know, maybe learn from it, maybe prevent the next one. But instead we got, well, the agenda, you know, the agenda is a lot more important than the people. And that's the problem in the country right now. So, you know, without getting all serious and dragging your Tuesday down even further, I think that's a lot of the challenge that we face when we get on the air. You know, as we're trying to make this show a place where everybody can talk and agree and disagree and everything in between. Uh, But the problem is people are characterizing disagreement as hate speech. People are calling it, you know, some type of call to violence. But the craziest part of all is the people who do that, the people who deploy that tactic are the ones supporting a terror group in Hamas. So it's the dumbest time there's ever been to be alive, okay? But seriously, if you're going to participate in political discourse, you need to put swimmies on your arms because you might drown in all of this hypocrisy. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. That's my name. Don't wear it out. There it is, Fox Across America, back in action. It's Tuesday. Yay. <laughs> it's so dumb right now, man. Uh, we try to be a radio port in the storm for you, the listener, uh, because, you know, everything is just, it's chaos, man. Everywhere you turn, you know, we're looking out right now at this, you know, law enforcement reaction to the story we just covered from the situation down in Nashville, and people are rightly outraged that this manifesto 
was actually censored from the public, man. This is, you know, the point I'm always trying to make on the show, when you get on the air on this show, okay, it's every day. Is you know, everybody always says, like, God, we're all in this together. That's what they always say. Oh, we're all in this. <laughs> Nobody means that. It's a good sweeping thing to say. But I'm actually, like, I'm on the air. I'm trying to appeal to people that might not agree with me because, in theory, we are all in this together. If you live in the same country, as the country goes, we go. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. So I'm trying to find people who don't agree with me and remind them, like, hey, you're not my enemy. We still kind of live here. There's no version of this where the country, like, it's it works really great, uh, but not for some of us, or it works really bad, but for some of us it works good. I understand we all have individual lives and individual situations we find ourselves in, but the better the country does as a whole, the better off we're all going to be. So I'm trying to find people who put, you know, maybe country over party, if for no other reason than because putting party over country has us $33 trillion in debt, the border's wide open, and we're kind of on the brink of World War III right now. I don't know that we're going to get there, but you understand the status quo of doing business, which is, you know, how can we take this news story and weaponize it against the people we want everyone else to vote against, ultimately costs us in the long run. Okay, and that's what we're hearing here. So the Metropolitan Police Department down in Nashville, okay, issuing the following statement from their chief, John Drake. This is the chief, the Metropolitan Police Chief in Nashville. I am greatly disturbed by today's unauthorized release of three pages of writings from the Covenant shooter. So what is he saying? It's an unauthorized release, meaning they didn't want to release it. The police department is extremely serious about the investigation to identify the person responsible. We know who did it. They're on video doing it and getting shot for doing it. In my opinion, that sucked. But you understand this is the police department, and there's no one more supportive of people who put on the uniform than me. Everybody in my family is a cop. I would have been a cop if it weren't for this thing called a background check. But understand this, okay? This is the police and the messaging of the police department at the highest level being manipulated because of the impact it'll have on public discourse as it pertains to politics. But the politics can't be more important than the people if you ever want to make progress, which is why I'm appealing to everyone, whether you agree with me or not, to at least hear me out in my good faith attempt to bring progress because nobody else even cares. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. And here we go. Back in action. Big hour coming up of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Dana Perino is going to be here. A woman far too bright and classy for this program. Uh, But she will stop by nonetheless and have a grown-up talk with us about the 2024 election. We're also going to get into it. My man, Brian Brenberg, host of the Big Money Show on the Fox Business Network, who will talk Bidenomics, campus protests, and all these donors who are tired of writing checks to a bunch of campuses that want to blow their people off the face of the earth. I mean, it would seem like a silly investment. Uh, and I say that as someone who's, you know, 
spent a lot of money on a lot of silly things over the years. Uh, I mean, if we're going to get technical, I'm not exactly an expert. My hobbies are fast cars and fast women. Okay, well, those are good hobbies. I don't disparage them. But 888-788-9910, the phone number for this hour of the program, technically speaking, every hour. Uh, that begins, middles, and ends with the same rule I said every day. Be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just do not, do not, under any circumstance, be a... There it is. Especially right now, the world's on fire. Every headline is one's worse than the next. You just got to be cool. You know, you try to be a force multiplier of positive energy wherever you go because your mood is going to impact the next person who's going to impact the next person. It's a Russian doll box of negativity if you're the guy who's just like, duh, you know, so you got to try to be cool. That's the point of the show. We don't really solve problems. We just kind of, I don't know, maybe like take the edge off if that makes sense. That's kind of what we're going for. So in this hour, okay, what we get is a pivot to the campaign trail where Kim Reynolds, the governor of Iowa, went out and endorsed Ron DeSantis last night. There's a slob. There's a real slob. Well, DeSantis got into this election with the most heat of anybody. He was the governor of Florida. He had a historic reelection margin, increased his totals with Latinos. He won Dade County, which is like unprecedented for a Republican. They had a supermajority in the state legislature. They passed all kinds of good conservative principled laws that minimized the impact of the government on its citizens' lives, turned Florida into the fastest-growing state in the country. Okay, DeSantis, by all accounts, was positioned perfectly to make a run for the White House. And then he entered the election. Started with that disastrous rollout on Twitter spaces. That was embarrassing. And from there, it's just morphed into a series of, you know, I, I listen, I thought it was good on the show. I genuinely enjoyed talking to him on this show. Uh, but I think a lot of his campaign appearances have kind of highlighted an inability to connect with the voters. And it's weird because they agree with him on policy. Uh, the problem is in this multimedia day and age, you're not really running for president. You're running for class president. And you got to be out there and you got to be loose and you got to be having fun and everything in between. And I think his media appearances have created a liability. That being said, most of the Republican Party doesn't want Donald Trump to be the nominee again, partly because he's currently under 91 criminal indictments. And mostly because he is not a guy who is a establishment figure who is part of the go along, get along status quo way of doing business in Washington. You don't have to like Trump. But it has to matter that he's the only president in the last four decades that didn't get us into a war. Like, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Peace through strength is a good thing. You don't have to like him, but you should appreciate the fact that we cut illegal border crossings by 80% because that makes you and your family safer. Okay, again, you don't have to like the guy, but the outcomes need to be more important. And sadly, we're now living in this moment where we didn't like the crass tweets of Donald Trump, and we didn't, and that's fine. I didn't co-sign everything he tweeted, but the end result is the country you're now living in, where inflation hit a 40-year high, gas is $2 more a gallon, the border's wide open, and we're shipping all of our money out of the country to subsidize a war in Ukraine none of us are even talking about anymore. Welcome to the Biden administration, home to the new slogan, America last. It's a hard thing to watch. But you understand, okay, life was exponentially better under Trump. The only thing that got worse under Trump, for real, was the power we gave politics over our lives. It became so much more contentious 
because, you know, everybody who hung out with Trump before he entered politics suddenly told you he was a racist. He was a bigot. He was a white supremacist. They said this on TV shows that had him all, all, all the time, like The View. The View was awful. Okay, but he, Trump was on The View all the time. He was on Howard Stern all the time, back when Howard fancied himself the king of all media. Okay, and Howard was a super relevant guy, and every word out of his mouth made headlines. You know, he's now become so whiny and woke and entitled that he's more like the Prince Harry of all media. Uh, but Trump, a guy who used to be on his show all the time, was now public enemy number one. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that he minimalized Howard's media imprint in a way that a guy with an ego the size of Howard's could never make peace with that in his day-to-day -day existence. So the only choice he had was to denigrate Trump's achievement. That is correct. Turn on the guy. So in his little lair, he could still be the omnipotent super Superman uh, that he wanted to be without having to acknowledge the fact that his regular guest on the show had eclipsed him by leaps and bounds. But people like the Clintons who hung out with Trump all the time. Okay, obviously they were running against them, so there was a motivation. But a show like Morning Joe that Trump was on all the time, or Never Forget Saturday Night Live, a show Trump hosted before the 2020 election, only to win the election and have Saturday Night Live open the show with Leonard Cohen's spiritual hallelujah in response to Trump winning the presidency and them wanting you to believe we were all under attack. That was absolutely dreadful. Okay, understand that. Donald Trump had a show on NBC for 15 years. Okay, he wins the presidency. NBC goes out and dedicates an episode of Saturday Night Live to the fact that we're all oppressed now. That's stupid. Use your common sense. It was performative hysteria. And I'm not saying it to make you vote Trump. I don't know where the hell this thing's going to go between now and, and, you know, Election Day. I'm just telling you there was a manufactured performative hysteria around Trump. OK, that really discolored the conversation in terms of what was happening in America on a substantive level. We had it good enough under Trump that we were able to pretend he was a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin. It was made up by these sick people. And it's not to say Trump has done everything right in the aftermath of getting elected or getting kicked out of office. But the reality is, OK, going forward, one of the reasons he has such a hold on the party, on the vast majority of the GOP base, is people believe he wasn't given a fair shake. Was he pugnacious and crass and vulgar all the time? Did he do a lot of things in the aftermath of the 2020 election you can't really co-sign if you don't have the proof? Absolutely he did. You don't want to be out there saying it's stolen without having the proof because that doesn't make you the president. That just makes you a Democrat. As I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. Whoa, it was stolen. I was told that that was undermining faith in democracy. I was told that that was treason. And it is if a Republican says it. If a Democrat says it, they don't care. Bingo, man. Bingo. But anyway, OK, is DeSantis is trying to close that gap with Trump. He's run into a small problem, uh, one being his inability to connect with voters uh, at the retail level. The other is Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is surging and is now ahead of DeSantis in a lot of these big state polls. In fact, there's polling out right now. The one we keep talking about where Trump beats Biden in five out of the six biggest swing states, Nikki Haley beats Biden in all six swing states. OK, 
that's not good news for Biden. We choose truth over facts. Okay, maybe he does. But the point is, okay, it's not good news. And it's not good news for DeSantis because he's no longer the main Trump alternative. But he has to win Iowa to have any shot of being viable into New Hampshire and the rest of the primary season. So yesterday they trotted out Kim Reynolds, the governor of Iowa, who previously said she wasn't going to endorse anybody. And she endorsed DeSantis. Here's that endorsement clip 31. He is one of the most effective leaders that I have ever seen. This is a man who, when a hurricane struck his state, he cut through red tape and built a bridge in a matter of days. Now, listen, I'm a governor that's dealt with disasters. That is incredible. Not only can he be strategic and have a plan together, he knows how to execute it. And at a time when the world is spinning out of control, that is what we should be looking for in a president. Now, she's not wrong in that regard. We need competence. competence. We need competency. We need effective leadership. We don't have either of those things in the White House right now. So as a Biden alternative, DeSantis is phenomenal. But again, the headwind he's running into is Trump is tremendously popular within the party. Okay, and Trump comes with a built-in storyline. He gets to be a Grover Cleveland in that he could serve two non-concurrent terms. And a lot of people want Trump to win in 2024 because they take that as a referendum that they stole 2020. I don't know that we'll ever get that physical admission, but I know there were enough things, unprecedented ways in which we voted in 2020 that create the appearance for a lot of people. It was stolen. I don't know that it was, but a lot of people are never going to trust the legitimacy of that election. Um, That storyline, the fact that they do see Trump as a disruptor in Washington at a time when Washington is disrupting so much of our lives is why everybody's going to have a really hard time beating him in the primaries. But the reason they continue to pursue it, the reason people continue to pour money into the DeSantis campaign and the Haley campaign is not because they see them closing the gap on Trump, but they do see a world where Trump is at a very big disadvantage in the general election where independent voters do care that he might go to jail. Okay, GOP primary voters don't care. Main reason why is they don't trust the DOJ anymore. They feel like our you know, Justice Department has been weaponized and politicized in a way that undermines everything they do. But Kim Reynolds spoke to that reality and told NBC she doesn't think Trump can win the general. Clip 32. For those who criticize you and say, why are you endorsing a guy who's been slipping in the polls? Trump is 30 points ahead. What do you say to those critics? I don't base my decision on polls. I take a look at who I believe is the right person for the right job. I believe that Ron is the right person for the right job, and I believe he's going to win. Do you believe Trump can't win? Yeah, I believe he can't win, and I believe Ron can. Get her out. Get her out of here. So Kim Reynolds saying she doesn't believe Trump can win. She believes DeSantis can. It's a tough sell. Okay, the thing they have going for them is if Biden's on the opposite side of the ticket, I, you know, I think Barron Trump could win. Forget Donald Trump. I think any Trump could win against Biden right now as it's presently constituted. The problem is the old adage in politics is that overnight is a lifetime in politics, meaning what the, the world you went to bed in and the world you woke up in could be two completely different existences. OK, and I think that's part of the challenge right now for the Republican Party is everybody's contrasting the potential nominee with Joe Biden. But any one of these moments now is a moment where we could wake up and Joe Biden's no longer on the ticket. 
Okay, they're not saying this publicly, but behind the scenes in Washington right now, there is a wild food fight going on to get him off the ticket because a lot of them look at the negatives. They look at the fact that he's losing in all the key swing states, and they don't see a path forward. That's what David Axelrod said, okay, yesterday. And that's something that, again, if David Axelrod is saying it, his proximity to Barack Obama leads a lot of people to believe that if David Axelrod is saying it. Barack Obama means it, too. Oh, I'm in trouble. Now, I can't put his views on Obama because I don't have a direct confirmation of that. But one guy is awfully close to the other. And he was, of course, a top advisor to Barack Obama. So understand that if David Axelrod is telling the media that Biden shouldn't run, you damn sure better believe he's telling Barack Obama the same thing. Tell him like it is. Okay. here is Axelrod. uh, Clip 23. There's just a lot of concern about the age issue, and uh, and that is something that I think he needs to uh, ponder. Just do a check and say, is this the right thing uh, to do? Time is fleeting here, and this is probably the last moment uh, for him to do that check, and it's, it's, it's probably good if he does. So what is he saying to Joe Biden? Okay, we need some type of... <laughs> I don't behind the scenes assessment. We need some type of breakdown. Here he is talking about the Obama situation. Clip 24. We had lousy polling numbers at this time in our campaign in 2011 when I was working for Barack Obama. But the two things that are different are that Obama was 50 and not 81. And uh, and uh, we didn't have Donald Trump on the other side. No, they were running against Mitt Romney, who was very beatable in his mom jeans. Okay, but again, Obama was 50. Obama was a fantastic public speaker. Whether you agreed with a word he said or not, he had a rock star appeal on the campaign trail and was willing to go out there and do as many rallies as he needed, okay, to connect with voters at a retail level and boost his support in the key swing states he needed to get back into the White House. Joe Biden has the public appearance schedule of a groundhog. Okay, he is a guy on the Monday after they defiled every monument in Washington and tried to attack the place who did just about nothing yesterday in his public schedule. He went and gave a speech about Amtrak yesterday. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. So you understand he is a lot more limited, and that's why they're having these conversations. So, yes, DeSantis is in a spot right now where he picks up a key endorsement, but he hasn't demonstrated any ability to close the gap. You know, you've got Trump out in the lead, but there's the possibility that he's facing, you know, maybe a conviction of criminal guilt. Okay, Nikki Haley continues to surge, but the reality is any of them would beat Biden. But I think the fool's errand in trying to figure this out is that we very much are in a holding pattern until we decide that Biden is the guy these Republicans are running against. And at this point, I don't know that we've made that decision. Don't get me wrong. A lot of people do support him, but that many more people within the party do not. Seventy six percent of the country thinks we're headed in the wrong direction. Okay, 67 percent of Democrats didn't want him to pursue reelection which leaves this whole thing hinging behind the scenes right now on the 33% of Americans that think Biden 2024 is a good idea. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. It's the number one show with humans and animals. Nice beaver. Thank you. I just had it stuffed. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Dana Perino is going to be joining me in the next break. She is, of course, co-host of America's Newsroom, The Five. 
the Perino on the Politics podcast, which you, of course, can get and download wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I do believe she's going to be down at the Patriot Awards next Thursday, November the 16th. We will confirm that when we get her into the studio. Uh, I'll be there uh, down in Nashville. If you've never been, it's going to be a banger. Patriot Awards, pretty rowdy. Get to meet all your Fox pals. And more importantly, uh, salute the brave men and women who throw on the uniform, uh, which is a really cool thing to watch. I'll let her tell you about it when she gets here. At the very least, she was at last year's Patriot Awards. So she'll have a take. That I can confirm. Uh, But right now... Uh, it is you and me doing the damn thing on the radio, 888-788-9910. We'll try to get to some of your calls in a little bit. Uh, the big thing we've been reacting to today, man, it's, it's you know, DeSantis got a Kim Reynolds endorsement. People say that that's pivotal in the great state of Iowa. It remains to be seen. Uh, you know, she is going to campaign with him in the home stretch before the caucuses. I'm going to get Dana's take on that. She knows a lot more about this stuff than I do. I'm not the White House expert. You see me on TV. I'm more of a Waffle House expert. Uh, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm actually really good. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. No, ma'am. I don't I'll stop it. <laughs> Waffle House is the best. That's holding this country together right now. If it wasn't for Waffle House and Cracker Barrel, I don't know what we'd be doing right now as a country. What's the last common culture we have? So this buds for you, you guys. Uh, but we'll get into it with Dana Perino. Uh, who makes a glorious, triumphant return. I can see her coming down the hall right now. She always rides in on an elephant. It's a big production. Uh, The cannons are firing. I'll be back in a second. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, and you've probably heard me mention this a time or two on the show in passing, but next Thursday... November 16th is the Patriot Awards down in Nashville. And joining us now in studio, someone you will see there with the five, uh, the host or co-host of America's Newsroom, co-host of the five, the host of Perino on Politics, Dana Perino in the house and the crowd goes wild. Good to see ah! you. Nashville, here we come, girlfriend. You <laughs> I'm ready so excited. I, you know, I love Nashville. I love Nashville. I love country music. I was a country music DJ. Yes. You might remember I, that. Yeah, how about that? I, I, it was minimum wage mm-hmm. overnights Oh, when I was a junior and senior in college. When you, when you do overnights in radio, they say you get paid weekly, very weekly. Weekly, Good night, exactly. everybody. I gotta go. All right, we'll see you in Nashville. I, I love country music. I love the people there. But what I really love is that Fox cracked the code on the best award show of the year yep. because you celebrate the Patriots of America. I didn't know what to expect last year mm-hmm. when I went for my first time, and I was in awe of the production and the People that were gathered in the audience, yep. it's such a fun vibe. If you can go to Nashville, you really should. Mm-hmm. You really should go. It's worth it. And then spend the weekend. Yeah, no, it's a, Nashville, first of all, is a great hang. Second of all, the Patriot Awards, it is unique in that it's the Oscars for camouflage. Yeah. People who put on the uniform. It should almost be like required viewing for the country because it gives you kind of perspective. It makes you feel so good, too, about yeah. people. And mm-hmm. I really, that's a great idea. We should have this in civics class. Remember, yeah. like, Channel One? Mm-hmm. Remember that? Old school Channel One. Yeah. Come on, who they wouldn't should, watch that? We should, like, get, put Patriot Awards in Channel One. How do you think that Rashida Tlaib's going to like that? <laughs> You're not going to like that. He's not going to like it. That's the problem with with Channel One is you would have like a percentage of the audience kneeling for the anthem. Then they'd get beat up. It'd be a whole to do. The point is just buy a ticket and behave. Come hang out with your favorite Fox friends. Uh, It is very much a cable news petting zoo. You'll be at the Patriot Awards with us. You'll meet us. We'll hug it out. All the fun stuff goes on. I have a special guest coming on the five. Whoa. This I did not know. Uh, It's a country music singer. 
I'm a huge fan, and I'll leave it at that because I just want to make sure it's confirmed, but I, it should be happening. That's amazing, though. All right, so yet another reason to be there because they can go to a live episode of The Five. Yeah. Can they not? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. I, they yeah, just have to get the tickets. All right, and not heckle. Try not to heckle, folks. This is. Not- I mean, you can heckle Jesse. It's fine. <laughs> he's, a, he's into that. You can dish it out a little bit, but yes, if you're in the Nashville area, it is Thursday night, November the 16th. You'll see me open the show before I hand it off to Pete Hegseth for the live stream. It's the Patriot Awards. It's a banger. You have to be there. Uh, other live events going on this week on TV. Uh, you co-moderated the last one. We're at our third GOP debate this week. That's right. Uh, wow. Is it must-see TV or do you feel like we're in a holding pattern right now? I got, I got to say, and I'm not just saying that's because it's not a Fox debate. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's at a point in the campaign where you think, well, there's five candidates only, so mm-hmm. that's great yeah. for the moderators and for the candidates. They'll have more time mm-hmm. in order to like interrupt each other and yeah. you know <laughs> all the stuff. Be mean, right? The yo mama no, jokes, <laughs> all the good stuff. They'll, they'll either have more questions or they'll have more time to answer the questions. So uh-huh. I think the format could work a little bit better with fewer people on the mm-hmm. stage. That's great. Uh, but the other thing that you have is that President Trump is still out there, way in the lead, an enduring lead, and. Even though Ron DeSantis of Florida, he got endorsed by the governor of Iowa in a big deal. It's pretty, that's a pretty big deal, yeah, she actually. She is there. extremely popular in Iowa. Mm-hmm. She said that she believes that Donald Trump cannot win a general election. Mm-hmm. So she went ahead and endorsed Ron DeSantis. Now, she had said she would not endorse anyone. Yeah. So that was a big boost, relatively speaking, for the DeSantis campaign because they've actually been treading water ever since yeah. the debate in California. Mm-hmm. The person who has had some success since that debate is Nikki Haley. Yeah. So surely, slowly but surely climbing up the ranks there. However, what DeSantis is saying is that, for example, in Iowa, DeSantis, if that is your first choice, your second choice isn't Nikki Haley. Okay. Your second choice is Trump. Mm-hmm. So – I do think that in some ways this debate is like, well, what else are they going to say? I think it's worth watching because somebody could have a breakout moment and you never know what could happen. But right now it looks a little futile. Yeah, I don't feel the energy for this one. Dana Perino is in the studio and I do know the Perino on Politics podcast has to be tracking the Nikki Haley momentum a little bit. If only because people now what I find my gauge here is obviously callers contribute to the fabric of the show, but it's off the air. And when I start to feel that people are taking notice of something, that's when I know someone has true momentum. Mm -hmm. And I've had unsolicited takes on Nikki Haley on the road lately, which is new. So that's a good sign for her campaign. Yep. So, yeah, she's steady as she goes. Right. Uh And one of her sayings is. Never lost a race. Hey. Okay, so <laughs> the undefeated. she is determined. There are some brutal ads running about yeah. her, but she just keeps going. Well, that's the thing I wanted to ask you. If you live in Iowa, at some point you almost have to really start to resent these people. Mm. Like I was in Iowa twice for stand-up in the past year. Mm-hmm. You cannot turn on a TV channel on any channel. Like, you're watching Nickelodeons. They, SpongeBob goes to break, and they're like, Ron DeSantis, wrong for Squidward. <laughs> wrong for the Krusty Krab. Yeah. Like, what? So I think at some point, uh, you know, it becomes this law of diminishing returns, but they sure are spending money on this. There's, well, where else do you spend it, right? So yeah. if you had a national campaign, mm-hmm. a national primary, then that would all be spread out across. But yeah. we don't. We vote in Iowa first and then New Hampshire. But I think that the real story here for me this week is Biden. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. And Biden is just 
in a world of hurt. Now, his campaign is saying, look, the fundamentals of our race are strong. He has so many legislative accomplishments. And at this point in the race, Barack Obama was written off in those swing states as well. Mm -hmm. And that's true. Okay, all things can be true. However... I don't think of Joe Biden as a Barack Obama character, right? Yeah. So on a terrible weekend of news, Mm -hmm. the only event he did yesterday Mm -hmm. was to give money to Amtrak. And and retell a fake story. And I'm thinking you could do anything today. For example, why not call a cabinet meeting? The White House was just vandalized over the weekend. Hundreds of thousands of Americans or Mm -hmm. uh, dual citizens, whatever, Mm -hmm. they're— Marching against freedom and peace and the support of Israel. And the White House is vandalized. You've left the vandalism up there. Yep. Call a cabinet meeting. You have the power to convene. Say, everybody in their seats, 8 a.m., we're going to talk about this. But instead, he does an event for Amtrak, calls a lid at 3.30. It was a weak look. We're talking, to, we're talking to Dana Perino. I think part of the problem is they're really measured in how they condemn the protests because they know it's a faction of their party that doesn't agree with the sentiment. Like when you see his polling dropping. I just learned of a new phrase. Give it to me. So Tammy Baldwin is a senator in Wisconsin. She's mm-hmm. running for reelection, and it's going to be a tough fight. Yeah. That's one of the swing states, right? Mm-hmm. So um, she's being confronted by a lot of her supporters right now because she supports Israel. Uh-huh. Remember, she's a veteran. Yeah, yeah, of course. She supports Israel. And there's a lot of her supporters who are saying they are against that. Mm -hmm. They are against her. And it's called PEP, PEP. Okay. Progressives for everything but Palestine. (laughs) <laughs> that's a new wing. It's, I, and look, you got you to yeah. read the fine print and yeah. find out what's going on mm-hmm. in these Democratic races. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Now, Joe Biden's a little bit out on an island. He's yeah. pretty much done the right thing on Israel so far, mm-hmm. pretty much. I caveat yeah. that a little bit. But now he's on an island, and, and can he hold strong? Can his support for our ally mm-hmm. in its time of greatest need yeah. surpass his time of greatest need to pander to the progressives. It's so so this is the brilliant point of analysis because in theory, no, I wouldn't bet my money on him. But at the same time, he has spent a lot of this presidency on an island in a beach chair. <laughs> so I like how today there was a headline that said, yeah. Joe Biden visits Delaware to talk about Amtrak. I'm like, visits Delaware, <laughs> lives just, in Delaware. You see how they're really packaging his public appearance like schedule doing stuff. with his non-appearance schedule? But I think that is the problem going forward. So this is the last thing I wanted to throw at you, and maybe you'll get into this in the Perino on Politics uh, podcast. When I see David Axelrod questioning whether or not Biden should run again, it tells me Barack Obama behind the scenes is probably, maybe, perhaps. But the question I was going to ask is not whether or not it's Obama. It's whether or not they're having a behind-the-scenes food fight or not. Oh, there's a behind-the-scenes okay, food fight. What... But the thing that's amazing is so far they're keeping it very quiet. Yeah. Wouldn't you love to see the text messages? Oh, I would. Like the <laughs> private text change amongst the Democratic governors <laughs> between Newsom and Whitmer and Shapiro, <laughs> Cooper, uh, you, you know all many, figuring out. Every time he tells the Amtrak story, Newsom sends somebody else, sends Whitmer a train emoji. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he did it again. Exactly. Oh, it's amazing. But that's the thing. We're going to read a book in five years that tells us what's really happening right now at the highest levels, and I'm sure it's fascinating. Thanks for mentioning Perino on Politics. It is a great little podcast, short, 25 minutes to get your top up of your needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a lot of my friends who are moms listening, and I got a note today from a, a good friend about the episode we posted last night, mm. and she said, I feel smarter. Real? Like, great. That's what I want to do. I want to empower people <laughs> to feel like they can get through 
you know, lunch hour or cocktail hour with yeah. just a little bit of political knowledge. You don't need to know it all. No, it works. You're just you're kind of up to speed. You yeah. dig? No, that's the answer. And it's the reverse of this because people always tell me they feel smarter after listening to me, but not because I've informed them. Just <laughs> like, well, I feel smarter for being here. Oh, you stop it. Dana Perino. Check out the Perino on Politics podcast and get down to Nashville yes. next Thursday, the 16th. You'll see the five live rock and roll back after this. This thing is going to become gargantuan when the Son of Man comes. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. The motion in the House of Representatives to censure Rashida Tlaib may just go through. Uh, This, of course, picking up momentum. Why? Because John Kirby, yesterday on with our own Neil Cavuto, called out her comments by name. Now, he didn't signal her out by name, but Cavuto did ask her about, uh, did ask Kirby about them. And he labeled these comments, uh, these pro-Hamas comments, as irresponsible. And, you know, that kind of stuff does cause the political winds to blow in a different direction. Uh, Here is Kirby, clip 13. What she said, though, was that the administration was supporting genocide. Well, of course we're not doing that. And and, and what is happening in Gaza, uh, again, as terrible as all these civilian casualties are, and we know there's many, many thousands of them, we don't want there to be any. I don't want to minimize that at all. But you can't look at what is happening in Gaza and say that it fits the definition of genocide. And clearly, we don't agree with that uh, with that description. Uh, we think that is uh, an irresponsible way of describing this. So he's saying, hey, it's irresponsible to describe this as genocide. And to be clear, I keep playing you a Bill Maher clip because I'm just trying to give you perspective beyond the stuff I hand you every day. Is, you know, what Bill Maher, to his credit, is doing. Bill Maher is a a TV survivor. He's been on TV for 30 years, okay? He's a great political comedian. But at times, he has sensed the need to distance himself from the fringes in his own party. They're crazy. Okay, he doesn't want to be on record as being the guy who has to tell you men can have babies with a straight face because he knows with all the fiber in his being that that's a scam. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. So he doesn't want to align with that level of ridiculousness. So from time to time, he will defy the party. Okay, he's defying some percentage of the party right now by offering clarification on what genocide means. Again, when it comes to Gaza, the population has grown by two million. Genocide is, of course, a disgusting exercise in trying to eliminate a population of a specific ethnicity. When it grows by two million people, that's not genocide. I think he's got a point. Yeah, the point is it's addition and not subtraction. And we're not supporting genocide. Nobody is, at least on the Israeli side of the conflict. They have two million Muslims living in Israel. But here is Bill Maher talking about how they're trying to repurpose the word genocide for I don't necessarily want to say political gain per se, but to sway opinion to their cause. This is what they're doing at the big colleges. Clip seven. I remember when when the woke took over the word violence and things that weren't violent or but like words. That's violent. It's not violence. Yeah. 
like words in a script. That isn't violence. It could possibly incite violence, but you could say that about a lot of things. Now they've done it with this word genocide. It has a very specific meaning, and they just throw it around willy-nilly. It, you know, homicide, to kill your fellow man, fratricide, to kill your brother, patricide, suicide. These all have very specific meanings on who we're killing. That's the side part of it. Genocide means you're trying to kill the entire race of people. Israel has never, if they wanted to, they could. They're not doing that. So this word genocide, it's got to stop. And, and you know what? Give him credit for that because he's telling you the truth. There are certain positions that are indefensibly stupid. Israel did not ask for this conflict. Everybody telling you we need a ceasefire, here's a newsflash. We had a ceasefire before Hamas paraglided into Israel and started killing people. But when they try to frame it as a genocide, this, you know, fits in step with their whole worldview of oppressor and oppressed. Well, they're oppressed in Gaza, the occupiers, those big, stupid social justice terms. Okay, they do sway sentiment, but they're not supported by fact. It's like when people tell you, ah, the cops are racist and they're indiscriminately killing unarmed people of color. Does anybody have stats to back that up? The answer would be no. No, their emotions are their facts. Put up or shut up. They can't. But where the Democratic Party is so divided right now, here's Jared Moskowitz from the great state of Florida, another Democrat, speaking to the truth of why Rashida Tlaib just might actually get censured in the House. It's clip 14. Some debates don't have two sides. From the river to the sea means the destruction of Israel and everyone who's in it. Okay, just like Mein Kampf is not a coloring book, and the final solution means exactly what Hitler meant it mean. From the river to the sea is calling for the destruction of an entire country. Period. Full stop. Uh, And so, look, the Congresswoman has a First Amendment right. She can say whatever she wants. But at the same time, Congress has the ability to express their displeasure with a fellow colleague of ours calling for the destruction of a country. So there you go. Okay, and that is a Democrat. And there's, you know, fierce debate going on in the House right now over whether or not they're going to censure or throw off, you know, committees. Of course, the response to that will be what? This is racist It's because she's a woman. No, it's because she's openly supporting a terror group. When you say from the river to the sea, that is not something that's like a slogan that they got off a, a Hallmark card. Okay, that is something that a terror group chants from the river to the sea. Okay, means Gaza, means the entire state of Israel, means the entire West Bank. It means they're all gone. That's the point. And I'm not speaking on behalf of Hamas when I say that. I'm not putting words into their mouths. Okay, here is a senior Hamas official speaking through a translator on exactly what their aims are. Clip six. Israel is a country that has no place on our land. We must remove that country because it constitutes a security, military, and political catastrophe to the Arab and Islamic nation and must be finished. We are not ashamed to say this with full force. We must teach Israel a lesson, and we will do this again and again. The Al-Aqsa flood is just the first time, and there will be a second, a third, a fourth, because we have the determination, the resolve, and the capabilities to fight. Garbage like you just makes me sick. Okay, so Hamas is, no, no. We must remove that country. We are not ashamed to say this with full force. We must teach them a lesson. We will do this again and again and again. That was just the first attack. There will be a second, a third, a fourth, because we have the determination, the resolve, the capabilities to fight. They want to wipe them off the map. 
Okay? That's reality. They want a Jewish genocide. And when Israel defends itself, what are we being told? That's genocide! I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. How could you not be? It's so stupid it makes your face hurt. Like, I'm, I'm aching. I went to community college. I didn't even pay attention in class. And I find this to be intellectually exhausting because of just how dumb it is. But we will muscle through it as a team with Brian Brenberg in the next hour. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. Back in action. Big hour coming up on the high-flying, death-defying Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Fired up in this hour. Brian Bremberg's coming by. We're going to have a talk about another hit piece on Biden 2024. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. This one coming from The Atlantic, who now says the guy's probably not going to live through his second term. Come on, man. Uh, There is a behind-the-scenes hit job. Uh, that has very much been green lit in media circles. And uh, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. We got into it with Dana Perino earlier in the show. And, of course, we have a full hour to get into it with you and yours. Calls, text, tweets, carrier pigeons, 888-788-9910, the phone number, if you want to be a part of this shindig. Uh, a shindig that I got to tell you, man, it is getting shippy out there in political circles. Here's the article uh, in the Atlantic now. And I bring this up because there's a fascinating thing going on in our politics as we get underway in this hour of the show. Okay, a lot of media outlets are reporting old information about Joe Biden as if it happens to be new. Okay, and what I mean by that is Biden being in his late hundreds is not new. Okay, we were discussing the fact that he was too old to be in office before he won the last time around. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, okay, so this is not new. Like, Biden being old, not new. Biden being historically unpopular, not new. Okay, this is a dude who last April had 70% of Americans, 70% of Americans saying they didn't want him to run again. Biden sucks. Okay, but understand, right now as we sit here, 76% of Americans think the country is headed in the wrong direction. It's the exact same way they felt five months ago, felt six months ago. So the fact that it's now being reported by the media as if it's new means the information is the same, but the agenda behind it has changed. The media very much operates as a surrogate of the Democratic Party, and apparently they've given the green light to get him off the ticket, if for no other reason than because it is now or never, to quote the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. Okay, we're in a spot now where not only are Obama surrogates like David Axelrod out there saying the guy shouldn't run anymore, or at the very least should have a long, hard look at it, But we've now got like former Democrat like Tim Ryan openly saying Biden shouldn't run again. And now we've got this piece in the Atlantic. okay? and the piece in the Atlantic is so fascinating because of the way they're starting to frame this. They're making it a referendum on Kamala as a way of legitimizing the attack on Biden and not necessarily an attack, just a frank discussion that we probably should have been having five years ago. Okay, the Atlantic piece is titled The Kamala Harris Problem. 
And the article says the possibility that the candidate might die in office has not been a significant issue in most elections during the past half century. But given President Joe Biden's age, a question arises, is Kamala Harris ready for the presidency? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Now, understand, okay, Biden might be the least popular president of your lifetime, and he is by any objectionable metric. But when you look at the Kamala situation, she's less popular than he is. So this is another pressure on the idea of Biden staying on the ticket is they don't have somebody behind him that voters would be okay with, which ultimately might have been a good self-preservation instinct when he put her on the ticket initially. When you put Kamala on that 2020 ticket and Biden was out there, you know, talking to dead people, wandering out of speeches halfway through, shaking hands with invisible people as being he has been wont to do. We have a president that is clearly not all there. But there wasn't a lot of pressure to get rid of him, if only because Kamala was less popular than he is. And if also because we, you know, did think he would, like, live through the term, we were just concerned that at some point Biden was going to get out in front of the microphones and start telling everybody he was Batman. And he's pretty much at the precipice of that now. Guy is a rambling mess of a human being. Okay, but when you start to hear like the David Axelrods of the world speak up, they're speaking up because they realize, you know, we are in speak now or forever, hold your peace territory. And the divide within the Democratic Party, and this is what makes it so fascinating, is a lot of the people that we, okay, think should be stepping in because Biden seems to be out to lunch. They don't see the fact that he's out to lunch as a negative. They see it as a positive because it, be, it gives the people behind the scenes a lot more power than they would traditionally have if there was a president who was with it. You dig? Ah, uh, you have a good eye, my man. That's the concern. It's like the southern border. Republicans get on TV all the time and are like, oh, the Democrats are failing at the southern border. But the Democrats don't see it as a failure. They want mass migration. They support open borders. Okay, so what we see as a failure is something that to them is the direct result of actions they took to make it so. They got rid of the Remain in Mexico policy, which forced asylum seekers to stay outside of our country until their asylum case was granted. Once you make the message, hey, if we catch you at the border, we're going to let you in. Everybody comes. Bingo, man. Bingo. Okay, forcing them to remain in Mexico took the teeth away from the cartels and the human traffickers who could no longer charge people for safe passage into the country because they didn't know they'd be able to get them in. Okay, they got rid of Title 42, which was a COVID screening uh, mechanism, which also forced people to remain outside of our borders. Okay, the Democrats got rid of those policies. They suspended border wall construction because they wanted mass migration. Okay, now they've gotten to the point that it's become a political uh, detriment for them. Okay, and the sanctuary cities who all said, no human being was illegal. We should be building bridges, not walls. That's what they said until those sanctuary cities started getting besieged with record levels of illegal immigrants, at which point they all said, get them out of here. Get them out. Okay, so it's a very fascinating place to find yourself in because now The Atlantic is writing a piece about Biden's age. Just the same as the New York Times-Siena College poll openly talked about the fact that he's losing five of the six key swing states. And now they're all publishing this additional follow-up survey that shows Nikki Haley beating Biden in all six swing states. And you realize that groundswell behind the scenes is happening. 
And what's amazing is a lot of people haven't been honest about it. You know, a lot of Democrats toe the party line and, you know, no, Biden's our guy. You don't understand. He's sharp as a tack. You are so full of sh. Of course they are. Okay, but to their credit, one person who has called this out of all people is John Fetterman, who, to his credit, the senator from Pennsylvania, took time out from his busy schedule of looking like the lead suspect in every disappearing jogger case in the area. Uh, Fetterman flat out calls out Gavin Newsom for running a shadow campaign against Biden. Here it is, clip 29. Right now, there are two. There are two additional Democrats running for Pennsylvania. Excuse me, running for president right now. One, one is a congressman from Minnesota. The other one is the governor of California. <laughs> They're both running for president, but only one had the guts to announce it. I admire your honesty. And he's talking about Dean Phillips, who is openly out there. He declared that he's running for president. And he's also talking about Gavin Newsom, who went over to Israel, who went over to China, met with Xi Jinping. Okay, the same guy who showed up at the White House when Biden was overseas last summer and walked around the White House with his jacket over his shoulder like he owned the joint. Okay, which was pretty funny at the time, but make no mistake about it. It was being done because Gavin Newsom is trying to position himself as the heir apparent in the Democratic Party. He knows they don't want it to be Kamala, and he knows behind the scenes They're having very contentious discussions right now about whether or not Biden should remain on the ticket. Jill Biden wants him to run because she likes being first lady, and that's great and fine and well, and there's a lot of cool trappings that come with the gig if you're a Democratic first lady. I mean, if you're a Republican first lady, is that offered the same? The answer would be no. No, Melania Trump is an actual supermodel, had never made it onto the cover of a major magazine in this country. They vilified her and ostracized her as a supermodel, which, by the way, if Melania Trump was a Democrat, okay, as a self-made millionaire, she was a supermodel. She speaks five languages. She migrated to this country. If she was a Democrat, she would have her name on about eight different federal buildings by now. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. But because she was a Republican, they were like, oh, good God, get her out of here. White supremacy or something. I don't know. (laughs) That's how it works. But the reality now is, as much as Jill Biden likes being first lady, there's a lot of Democrats out there that don't want her to be first lady, if for no other reason than because it makes Biden the president for another four years. The power struggle behind the scenes is between bureaucrats who will have a lot more power if they have a president who's out to lunch and people who are just so hell bent on winning the election that they'd like to put somebody out there who can speak in complete sentences and have every word be in English. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go you know the you know the thing. So there is a wild divide. But here's Anna Navarro on the view who says the Democrats just have to shut up and get to work. Here it is clip 28. Democrats need to stop fretting, need to stop looking at this as a warning and look at it as a wake up call to organize, to mobilize, to register people, to talk about the accomplishments of this administration. If you want to be Donald Trump, stop clutching your pearls and get to work. Oh, Anna Navarro fired up. She's the coach now. I mean, but the problem for the Democrats is if they talk about Joe Biden's accomplishments, it becomes a little bit of a liability. I think he's got a point. Okay, Joe Biden's accomplishments are the highest levels of illegal immigration we've ever seen. 
okay, the highest level of fentanyl poisoning deaths we've ever seen. Inflation hit a 40-year high. Gas is two more dollars a gallon than it was when he took office. We've got Ukraine inside of Russia. We've got this whole Middle East thing going back and forth between Israel and these terrorists in the Hamas group. We've got China encircling Taiwan. All things that weren't happening under previous leadership because people respect strength on the world stage. So we had peace through strength. Now we very much have chaos through teleprompter. So Anna Navarro is wrong when she says we should talk about Biden's accomplishments because the only thing they can point to is what, like the climate? Nobody cares about the climate. And if they did, they wouldn't have passed the biggest climate bill in history under a different name. The Inflation Reduction Act did not address inflation, but it threw all of its $1.2 trillion behind the climate. What a fraud. Think about that. If the climate is popular... People pass climate bills that are called climate bills. Okay, if I had a if I had a bill called free pizza and strippers, that's the name of the bill. Free pizza and strippers. I love it when you talk dirty. Okay, well the point is that's not where we were heading. But I'd be able to pass the bill under that name because people like pizza and you know, for the most part, people like strippers. Okay. But I wouldn't have to pass it under a different name to get support for it. But climate bills don't get passed as climate bills because the vast majority of the American people could care less about the climate because nothing they've ever said about it has been accurate. First of all, we're lying when we say we can phase out fossil fuels and maintain our current standard of living. Okay, people will freeze to death in the winter. They'll die of heat stroke in the summer. We don't have the power grids in place to power a population of 330 million people. You can't just snap your fingers and get rid of fossil fuels because 96% of everything you interact with on a daily basis involves fossil fuels in some capacity, whether it's the manufacturing or the powering therein. Okay, even your electric cars are not powered by wind. They're not powered by solar, which is good news because Annie, as nice of a child as she was, was a terrible weather person, if for no other reason than because the sun will not always come out tomorrow. I think he's got a point. But anyway, you understand the Biden agenda is not popular. If 76% of the people say we're going in the wrong direction under your leadership, it doesn't mean you have a messaging problem. It means you have a policy problem. Compound that with the fact that he's the only president in our lifetime that makes the sign language interpreter shrug. And that's when you realize the Atlantic is no different than the New York Times or Siena College or anybody else out there that's suddenly speaking up about the need to get Biden off the ticket. Okay, they're speaking out because they are a majority behind the scenes, a majority behind the scenes that's starting to build towards a groundswell, you know, on the scene because people are tired of pretending that this is under control. Okay, and no one's more entitled, retired than the sign language interpreter who has to keep Googling symbols when Biden says things like this. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. The show that solves problems the old-fashioned way. You and me are going to fight when that bell rings at 3 o'clock. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be wrapping with Brian Brenberg in the next break. Right now, some you and me time. Politico. Good goodness. Poor Joe Biden. Here's the headline at the tippy top of the page. Biden's stumbles spark concerns about ad strategy and surrogate operation. This is right now at the tippy top of Politico. 
when they start to talk like this on these websites, when they start to, you know, put it at the top of the page, that means behind closed doors, they are in full throttle. Can you imagine, like, what the toy factory at the North Pole looks like on December 23rd? They're just banging out toys left and right, getting them onto the sleigh. They are under the gun. The clock is ticking. We got to get these toys out there to the kids. Okay, this is an all-hands-on-deck moment behind the scenes right now in the Democratic Party because they really don't think he can go again. The challenge we have is we're in the middle of a war. We're financing both sides of every conflict we happen to be engaged in, sadly. Uh, But the fact remains there needs to be a face of this operation, and they're in a precarious moment because the time to get him off the ballot is shrinking. Okay, but at the same time, they need a public face of this administration. Now, you might argue that the public face of this administration hasn't been a terribly effective one at any point during this administration. I agree with that. Okay, but the reality is it's tricky nonetheless. This is a political triple Lindy of sorts. Do you remember the Rodney Dangerfield movie, Back to School? It's got to bounce off three different diving boards to land this jump into the pool. Okay, that's the Biden administration right now. It's like they want him off the ticket. They can't upset the identity politics crowd by getting Kamala off the ticket. They probably want to run Newsom. Plus, there is an actual war going on. And now he's got to jump off the diving board. Good luck with that. Okay, but here is David Axelrod telling you everything you need to know. Okay, about whether or not they're having these conversations. Okay, it's him defending his right to have them. Clip 25. The thing that irritates me a little bit, Wolf, is this notion that people who are concerned are bedwetters is a phrase. Actually, I think it originated in the 2008 Obama campaign in a much different context. Uh, There's there is reason to be concerned and people shouldn't dismiss uh, these polls. And should the president uh, press forward, I think that they need to really kick this another notch up and turn this into a comparative campaign. You know, these polls reflect a kind of sour mood in the country about the direction of the country, direction of the economy. Uh, And uh, they really have to turn this into an aggressive comparative campaign. So what is he saying, man? We're not the bad guys for saying this guy's elevator doesn't go all the way to the top floor. In fact, we're the ones being honest about the challenges that poses as we head to 2024, where every voter pretty much feels the same way. That man belongs in a nursing home, not in the White House. They're playing No Doubt. But I'm going to be honest, there was some doubt about whether or not we'd get through this final hour of the show. But that was before our hero showed up to rescue us. The host of The Big Money Show on the Fox Business Network, Brian Brenberg, returns to the program. I brought a crowbar, man. We can get this out. We we can get this out. (laughs) Enough leverage. We can do this. You have been brought into the radio equivalent of a bases loaded no out. (laughs) And the pitcher got hurt, so it's a 3-0 count. It is a disastrous. Remember when they used to have the Rolaids Relief Award for the one closer who had like the most saves or got into some chicanery? 
You are being asked to be hey. the maybe the Dave Rigetti, maybe the Dan Quisenberry, the late great Dan oh, Quisenberry little, of talk. A little, uh, Can you throw uh, sidearm? Submarine. Can you submarine your way out yes. of this radio mess, Brenberg? I'm so glad you said Quisenberry because that's who I'd want to be. If yeah. I was a pitcher, I don't want to be a guy overhand delivery. What? No, no. I want to be the guy who goes out there and everyone is like mid popcorn. Like, what is he doing? You want something unique. Yes. You know, yes. Brian Brenberg, here to for the Mordecai Three Finger Brown <laughs> yes. of, of, yes. of, of radio. That's a that's a baseball deep cut for those of you out there. You could look Go it up. Go look it up. Worth worth a read. Worth a look. Uh and I, I do like uh, you know, the escapism of baseball history at a time like this because as you know, you cover this on TV every day. Although it's only for an hour. I used to laugh, Brenberg, because I go to these TV guys, they get an hour. You gotta get all your points in. I I've got three Three no. hours. This is amazing. Uh, but, you, you're yeah. actually working. You're, you're here working. You've yeah. got to develop a thought. By the time I've got a thought coming out, I got to go to a commercial break. I mean, <laughs> for a guy who doesn't have thoughts, it's great. Well, I used I to fake it. I used to think it was amazing that we had these 18 minute and 20 minute breaks to fill, and then like war broke out. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a lot of card tricks, a lot of smoke and mirrors oh, going on right man. now. So it's nice to have you here. Um, let me ask you some economic questions. I don't know that this is true, but you can explain. This is where my suspicion comes from. Okay. I keep reading that inflation is down, but the prices are still up. So is it the rate of inflation that's down? Yeah. So they're kind of manipulating the conversation. This is the PR con uh, that they're trying to pull out of the White House right now. It's the inflation's down. You got to add a word. The inflation rate, by oh. some measures, is down. Uh-huh. But, but you know, who cares? Like yeah. Nobody knows that number and cares about that number. What they care about is the price level. And that chart just keeps going like this because whatever you're getting now, 3.7%, yeah. 4% inflation is built on last year's 9% inflation, and it gets you that compounded amount of like, yeah, 15, it's like interest, it's like percent It's the, they always tell you, put a little bit away when you're young and it's going to grow. Yeah. Same thing for inflation. Okay. <laughs> Only it doesn't work to your favor. It takes all that savings you had and it, it reduces. So the it's value. a reverse compounding. Like we're now, cause I, I, I this dawned on me during Halloween week, cause I was of an era. This was pre ring doorbell cams, pre cell phones where we used to shave and cream each other and throw eggs at each other and good, stuff clean, like that. Fun. It was good, clean fun. There's not as much of that now because everything's on videotape. Now people just show up to your house and steal all the candy right. in the bucket and leave. <laughs> now all. it's all business. Take it all. But I think to the era I grew up in, and now we're living in an America where you threw an egg at someone's house and accidentally broke a window. You're on the hook for more money because of the egg than the window. <laughs> it's, it's so true. I mean, like this is you know you're you're talking about elections today. Mm-hmm. You're talking about what people are going to vote on. What's so interesting is the dichotomy between the financial press that's trying to tell people inflation is down and Biden's on that. He's like inflation is down. The whole White House comms team, inflation is down, it, and they're just running up against the brick wall of people saying. Then why in the world am I still paying what I'm paying for whatever whatever it is you want to talk about? It could be car insurance. Uh-huh. It could be a washer dryer. It doesn't even matter what the thing is. You just know it's insanely more expensive, and inflation is not going down. <laughs> no, I'm with you. 
And that's the part that drives me crazy because they try to say, well, you know, it's a messaging problem. The reason the administration is not popular is the messaging problem. No, it's an activity problem because <laughs> the president is, I don't know, where is he in Delaware today talking about $16 billion for Amtrak? Now, don't feel bad because he doesn't know where he is that's today. True. I if mean, you don't know. You know what? If he doesn't Fair know, point. you can't be expected to know. Fair point. Brian but, Brenberg is in studio. He was supposed to take the edge off. He's going to snap right now. He's going I, full I, Howard I am, I, am I, I got the crowbar, like I said, and I'm going to use it for other purposes. <laughs> He had an hour in him today. It's going into these extra innings that are the problem. <laughs> I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Oh, so I want to go move. extra inning complete game. What's wrong with that? He Heroes just, are made of He that. just punched Mikey. <laughs> hey, you had it coming for a long time, man. You, you know you had it coming. Oh, too funny, man. But, yeah, I always laugh. They're like, yeah, it's a messaging problem. I'm like, no, no, it's, it's a, the, the, the message coming from the cash register is the problem. But it's the same semantic thing they do with, like, spending cuts. They tell you, like, oh, we cut spending because we were going to spend an extra $9 yeah. trillion, but we only spent an extra $8 trillion, so spending is down. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, it's not because you spend more. It's spending did go up, just not at the rate we thought it but might. But I kind of love that one because of how, earnestly they tell it to yeah. you like as earnestly as the president talks about the trillion miles he's been on the train yeah, or yeah. whatever oh, like, i love like, that one but we have cut spending don't read the fine print stop <laughs> reading the fine print but like you know like the train thing okay so uh-huh. we got to follow bidenomics so mm-hmm. he's i don't know it's 16 billion for a train or something that they're i i've met a lot of people in america uh i, I listen to things i haven't met anybody Anybody who said, man, I really hope the president does something about train depots. No, yeah. The Northeast Corridor. (laughs) I really hope he does that because I got to tell you, it's been on my mind. (laughs) If only I can't afford groceries. You know, I don't feel safe going to the store. But if we can create an event where he tells a fake Amtrak story and invests (laughs) another billion dollars. Joey, baby. Hey, Angelo. Do you know how many times? That's funny. I did this on the show yesterday. CNN alone, just CNN, has fact-checked that story 12 times during his presidency. So there are at least 12 instances of him telling this fake story and them having to rise to the occasion. Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, CNN, some guy over at CNN's working overtime. I feel bad for that guy because, yeah. like, every day he's got to do this. You got to go through the list of fact checks. Like, mm-hmm. which story was it? Well, today? Though, to be clear, what number is that? They don't actually do it every day. <laughs> <laughs> like, like they're supposed to. But okay, most days, you got to have a day off. What I, they I hear do you. is they pick their battles. They're like, all right, we'll stick it to them on the train thing. <laughs> But we'll let him say spending is down and all that other stuff. That's what they do. Okay. It's all a dog and pony show, it's Brenberg. True. But let's talk about this. Okay. This there there is starting again, like pre the conflict in the Middle East, there was a lot of talk about maybe getting him off the ticket. The poll numbers were bad. And the tell to me is the fact that when the media starts reporting old information as if it's new. That's when you know there's been some behind-the-scenes acknowledgement uh-huh. that if they're going to get him off the ticket, the time is now. When you hear things like, he's old, yep. okay, he wasn't young last week, yeah. you know, or is it, they think we're going in the wrong direction. They've thought that for two years. It, it's sort of like, yeah, I get it. It's sort of like you could say, oh, he's old. Mm-hmm. Or you could say, you do realize he's very old. <laughs> it's like the tone, you know? It, you said you, yeah. you know, you said something to me, but what did you really say? And yeah, like yeah. now we're kind of getting into the tone piece. Well, they're now like, they're now straight Henny Youngmaning the guy now. It's like, how old is he? You know. <laughs> the other day his wife said, "Come upstairs and make love to me." He said, "I can't do both." You know what I mean? It's old, damn it.
He's old. And that's what's going on. It's on the top of Politico right now that we had David Axelrod, who is, you know, pretty tight with Obama. I don't know if you heard. Talking about the polls. Here's the, I don't know if you guys play this on the show, but I want to play this one more for the listener. So what he basically says is, and this is a funny one, is Axelrod says, like, this is the last chance. This is the last moment for, pond, for him to ponder the age issue. Uh, clip 23. There's just a lot of concern about the age issue. And uh, and that is something that I think he needs to uh, ponder. Just do a check and say, is this the right thing uh, to do? Time is fleeting here, and this is probably the last moment uh, for him to do that check. And it's 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 probably good if he does. Wow, that has such a like good fellas undertone. Yeah. I mean, like, I think it would probably be a good idea if you checked your age. Your best interest because it would be the time for such a check, you know? If you have that perceptive eye, you pick up on it because it sounds like a measured statement, but it's the equivalent of saying like, oh, you know, mom, I'm getting married. And your mom goes, to her? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's not an endorsement. No. When they're when they're answering I'm going to run again with a question, it's not an endorsement. That's everything you need to know. You he's know? the you know he's delivering the message. You know who's the big guy in this scenario? Probably the 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 last Democratic president yep. is the big guy here. Uh huh. So hey, Biden, David, why don't you go ask this question? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Biden called up Obama, right? And this I went down. He goes, "Hey, I'm going to run again," and Obama goes, "For president." <laughs> It's the same thing. And then he's like, David, do me a favor. Talk to this brother right here. I don't think he understands what's going on. Because they obviously they want to win, which would be concern number one. But this is the thing I wanted to ask you. Okay. He doesn't have a reputation for being a very hands-on president. Mm. Unless you're a nine-year-old girl at a public event. But stick with me. Okay. I think there is this other appeal to running him again in the sense that a lot of behind-the-scenes bureaucrats have usurped a lot more power than they would traditionally have with a more senior candidate. Mm -hmm. So do you think there's probably a pretty contentious backstage divide right now between the people who know he can't govern again but like the fact that he can't govern again? That's been my theory. I don't know if it's right, but Mm -hmm. I've been on this one. He's too convenient. He's Mm -hmm. too empty. He's too pliable. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're the Elizabeth Warren, the Bernie Sanders, you're the lifelong bureaucrat, you've been waiting for this moment. You've been waiting for a president like this. And he has been great in that role. Yeah. Bad for America. Great in that role. And, and, you know, the other they have the Kamala problem. I yeah. don't know what you do. I mean, Ted Cruz thinks the answer to the Kamala problem is Michelle Obama. Yeah. And then blow her out. of the- But do you think Michelle Obama wants to get off Steven Spielberg's yacht to go work a rope line and shake hands? I mean, no chance. If I were her, yeah, no, I don't I'm, think she does. I'm, I'm rich. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lots of people love me. Yeah, yeah. I'm yachting around. I'm, I'm also a lazy individual. Yeah, yeah. But I would just be like, things. Yeah. Are, things have worked out for me. If, if people are paying you eight hundred and fifty thousand a speech, okay, what are you doing for a living? You're giving two speeches yeah, a right. year. <laughs> So you're doing so maybe I, three if you're feeling greedy. I think the combo of his convenience and the Kamala problem keeps makes him on it the an, ticket. It's an unsolvable equation. I don't know how you solve that, especially in 2024. With, not with all these conflicts going on too. 
Because what do you do? Just yank him right now? You're bringing her, you know? So I think they're in a really, I think they're in a tough spot. That's why he probably will stay on the ticket. But John Fetterman, to his credit, called out Newsom. He said Newsom's running a shadow campaign and won't admit he's running. What is the deal with Fetterman? Like, he's all over the place. Yeah. I mean, he's not having it. He's not having anything. I mean, I'm seeing him. I'm, he's coming up on Israel. He's calling Rashida Tlaib to account. He's, he's on Newsom. What, what's going on there? It was, it was Fetterman the answer. <laughs> it's like we take Biden off the ticket <laughs> for someone sharper. This guy. <laughs> this could get interesting. This is really going this someplace. This could get interesting. I didn't see this coming no, Brenberg it no, took no. a turn uh, but since we've last gotten together what did happen and I know our KTBB listeners in East Texas are thrilled Texas Rangers did win that World Man. Series we were talking about wasn't that yeah. the best I, I wanted to see them win it I, I got I mean some of the performances there Corey Seager I mean just unbelievable yeah, like 812 I in mean the series just what a what a hitting display I mean Garcia before he went down he mm-hmm. was fun to watch it's good to see a ball club get get their first. Yeah, no, that know? was exciting for them. And and after doing some painstaking research in your office, they you were the one who corrected me. They started in 1971. If you've been waiting to win since 71, yeah. that's two years shorter than the Jets. Like the New York Jets, their Super Bowl predates the moon landing. Yeah. So think about that, okay? Joe Namath guaranteed that victory and beat the Colts six months before Stanley Kubrick filmed the moon landing. <laughs> but no, the point is, it's a long time ago. It is. And uh, 70, 1971 to there, they're great fans for sticking with that team. I was thrilled to see that happen. And selfishly, as a child of 80s baseball, it, it's, they're, they're a franchise I've always had a soft spot for yeah. because they had a lot of colorful players. And a lot of people don't remember this. Bobby Valentine started there. That's right. Bobby Valentine. He's like the, he was on this show uh, when he was doing like they were re-rolling baseball. Do you remember when the pandemic started and they were going to trot the baseball season out with no fans? Yeah. Which was very jarring unless you're rooted for the Rays. Right. <laughs> right like, they had no idea. They're like, oh, I didn't know COVID had anything to do with this. I just thought this was, yes. a, pl- I thought this was a home playoff game. <laughs> 13 people in the stands. But, uh, yeah, Bobby Valentine, who managed the Mets, managed the Red Sox for about a half hour. Yep. Uh, and, and he was the face of that Rangers team. And then there was the George W. Bush era of baseball. So I've always had an affinity for East Texas and their baseball team. Unfortunately for them, they got the win uh, in the same week the Cowboys had to play the Eagles. <laughs> There's always a yin and yang in yeah, sports. Yeah, that's right. Even Steven. I think, I think the answer going forward is everybody needs to pick one team in one sport and just root for them. So that's at least right. they don't cancel out your joy. There's, there's no advantage in the portfolio effect. You don't spread it around. You yeah. go one concentrated dose of something. If it's good, it's good. It's bad, it's bad. Uh-huh. But you don't have to worry about anything else. This is the case they're making for Biden behind the scenes, though. That's <laughs> like, right. You got the one. <laughs> Wait, are we talking uh, politics or sports here? I, I, I'll do track. It's all the same. Brian Bremberg, I, I don't know. Listen, okay, I don't know that we got out of this bases loaded, no out scenario, no. but we're not down nine runs, okay? <laughs> we're not down. Like, there's, there's, people are going to watch the last inning of the game. Look, so, if Seager's coming up in the next inning, we're going to be okay. We're screwed anyway, okay? But take your Rolades Relief Award and get out of here. I will. We're back after this. Call in now. We're excited to hear from you. Who the f- is this? This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We are in the bottom of the ninth on Fox Across America. The party ends on the radio. We'll take it to your television set. I will be on the Ingram Angle. 7.50 Eastern Standard Time closing the show tonight. Getting the last three outs at a pretty contentious time in Cable Newsville. Country's on fire, but we got to roast some marshmallows, lighten the mood. Reese joins us now from KROE out in Sheridan, Wyoming. He's got his own anecdote 
to land this plane. Yo, Reese. Mega equality state dittos to you, my friend. How are you, sir? I'm, you know, I'm great, man. We're holding it together. A um, lot happening. No complaints. Uh, but I will. I was told, okay, and I hope this is accurate information, I was told you have a Ronald Reagan quote that can potentially opiate the masses and put this show to bed. Yes, sir. It's um, one of his more famous quotes, so you got to bear with me just a second while I read it. I okay. Think. And it goes like this. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you and I have lived in this miracle too long to, pro- to be properly appreciative. Freedom is a fragile thing and is never more than one generation away from extinction. Mm-hmm. It's not ours by inheritance. It must be fought for and defended constantly by each generation, for it comes only once to a people. Those who have known freedom and then lost it will never know it again. Now, what I would tell you is we're in a country that has a cultural war going on. Mm-hmm. We need American patriots to, to stand up against the people on the streets and in the schools and stand up for what they believe in because we got them in our own backyard, and I'm, I'm afraid. But well, I don't nevertheless, think, no. better days are ahead of us. Oh, you're damn right, man. Uh, at the end of the day, this is what happens. In the age of social media, the dirtbags get a lot more coverage than the good people. Okay, but the reason the dirtbag behavior stands out to the extent that it does is we're rightly aghast at it. We're repulsed by it. We don't think it's cool. And the good do vastly outnumber the bad. And the truth is they had a monopoly on silencing people because these public shaming campaigns had created a gap between what people believed to be true and what they were willing to say in public. That's over now because all the good, moral, virtuous people are now out there supporting a terror group, and we're done pretending they're on the decent side of anything. So, Reese, you and the late great President Reagan have emboldened the audience to move forward confidently. Take a bow, Reese. I wasn't sure if you could do it. Forgive me for doubting you, but you have won the game ball. Take it home. Do something nice with it. Uh, The show is over. Pay up, get out. Watch me on the Ingram Angle tonight. And he is not wrong when he says the American people are done with all of it. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Are they ever. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.